Welcome to the City Image Podcast. This is Bryant, the Theological Giant, wishing every one of you guys a happy new year. Uh, I'm in the studio with some friends of mine. I'm glad to be recording kind of the first episode for the year. To my right, let them know who's with you. What's up? What's up? It's Lord Ask the Principal, a.k.a. the woman with principal. Glad to have you again <laughs> doing her thing. And then Varlene, what's up? A.k.a. the Wild Thornberry. All right. Glad that uh, Varlene is with us again. Unfortunately, Andy Young, Nassau County, couldn't be with us um, today. Uh, I know he is in a crazy season right now. Mm-hmm. He's about to get married uh, next month. So he's doing a whole bunch of like wedding planning and things of that nature. But um, yeah, pray for him in the midst of that. But he'll be back with us soon. Um we have a kind of a really uh, sobering topic that we're going to be discussing uh, today. We, we, we really wanted to take time to uh, interact with um, the documentary Surviving R. Kelly and just the greater implications uh, for uh, just society, black, the black community and the church and um, what it means for uh, us to navigate abuse and how that was uh, kind of how we the ball was dropped severely um, in terms of um, holding R. Kelly accountable. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary, uh, I, I suggest that you watch it. Uh, it is a very heart wrenching documentary and it can be triggering to individuals who may uh, have had history uh, with abuse and manipulation. Um, so it's, it, you should know what you're getting yourself into, but it is a, a documentary that I feel like exposes the, not just the ugliness of R. Kelly, but the ugliness of sin and the ugliness, um, of how there were so many people, um, that in one way or another kind of participated and enabled R. Kelly to do what he did for so long. And I think like, it's a reckoning, it's a coming to face, uh, to, to have to face what we allow to happen. So we're going to be discussing that. Um, and I'm hoping that we can, what what can come from that is a, a really a, a repentance all the way around for us and a, a greater level of uh, sensitivity to, and, and, and a greater desire to listen to women and, uh, or really anyone who uh, su- has suffered from abuse. But in particular, the victims here were black women. So kind of wanted to start it off um, just by uh, asking a question like to my co-host. Uh, what were your thoughts on the documentary? So 
it was like very hard to watch. Um, and I think more so for me because I remember those times and I know that I'm guilty of not hearing those voices, um, not even caring. Um, so it was just very hard to watch and see like all the things that he did unveiled and for me to know that I was still bumping his music, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, so it was just like very surreal to know, like this is what was behind the man that I was enjoying um, what he produced. So. Yeah. And knowing like the lives that he ruined and the lives that he really altered is just kind of kind of like kind of it's like really surreal it's just, it's yeah. like unbelievable kind of unbelievable yeah 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 i mean i i thought along the same lines it was very unbelievable i mean so i grew up since i was i don't know when did the uh i was really young when the um the situation with Leah happened um, but I, I think I was m- more so kind of cognizant of the deviant sexuality that R. Kelly was engaging in right around the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I think things started really surfacing. And so was definitely aware of it. That's when I became aware of it. Um, but certainly did not really think too deeply about it yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and just kind of continued to just vibe with his music. So everybody else really vibing with his music still had lots of songs that um, were hits and continue to just really participate in that fully. And just, you know, you kind of heard bits and pieces of certain things as the years went on. But it wasn't really until recently, I think it was a few years ago, when the, when the, it kind of got exposed that he had this sex cult thing going on, when he had the women kind of locked away with him. And I was much more of an adult, and I began to realize, whoa, this guy's really got some issues. Now, yes, I confess, I should have came to that realization a long time ago, but unfortunately, young and dumb and, and kind of being in a a situation where people were kind of uh, not necessarily holding R. Kelly accountable. Mm -hmm. I I didn't come to that realization um, until really a few years ago where I realized, yo, this is, this is a really big problem. Um, And it wasn't really until I watched this documentary and the documentary just had details and systematic examples over and over again. And, women that I hadn't even really known or heard about coming forward and telling their stories. And it really began to hit me. This man was a systematic predator. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, this, you know, I don't know if I thought maybe it was just a, Oh, it was Leah, And it was just this one off. And again, I confess foolish, foolish thinking on my part, right? Not paying attention to any of that stuff, but the documentary really documented <laughs> what, you know, for lack of better words, what this man was doing. And then it was just really shocking to see it all just be six parts, just 
put on display and everyone has to be like real with themselves. Why did we not, if you were one of the, you know, most people, why did we not react to this earlier? Yeah. Those were my thoughts essentially. Yeah. I think personally I did not view the documentary. I made a very cognizant personal choice that I would not watch the documentary. I uh, mm. thinking about just, I did not want to be triggered knowing my own history with having experienced, you know, being, being exposed to sexuality very early. Um, I, just hearing, you know, the language around R. Kelly, like I knew that this documentary was going to be entirely too much for me to watch. Mm. Um, so I, I made the choice not to watch it. I did catch like a five minute clip of um, mm -hmm. there was one moment where a mother was pursuing her daughter. Like she went to a hotel to try to yeah. get her daughter away from R. Kelly. Um, and I think like the daughter ended up calling the police on um, and letting them know, like lying and saying like, oh, that's not my mom. And the mom like go, trying to go through this, you know, this cycle of getting her daughter away from R. Kelly. And that moment, like just for me, was like, like, people literally had to go and try to like save their children out of yeah. this man's camp. It was like, you had to do war to go and get your child. Back. Crazy. So even, even that moment was just like, this man is evil. Like he yeah. is a predator and like we celebrated him. I know for me, like I listened to TP2.com every single day on the wow. train when I was going to high school. Like I knew every word to feeling on your booty. Like I, I listened to and I <laughs> celebrated this what? and now yeah. I, in that moment, I was just like, I have been supporting this man in, in, in enslaving and in, endangering women wow for enslaving I that's a very accurate word yeah it's like, slavery we need to come to terms of what r kelly is doing slavery yeah absolutely mm -hmm. like the now the woman the mother was trying to be harriet tubman and rescue her child out of, out of um out of sexual slavery that's and crazy just like so just to see that five minute clip of what this man was doing that was five minutes so i know like yeah. the entire documentary um had to be like gut-wrenching and just like a shocking decision display of what this man has been doing for years hmm. yeah it's it's insane and this is ongoing by the way uh one woman was able to rescue her daughter but i, re I remember the names are slipping my mind right now but there's another um married couple that are just still trying to, you know, rescue their daughter. And uh, it was heartbreaking to just hear their story. This is, this is ongoing stuff. Mm -hmm. Like Crazy. R. Kelly, this isn't, he, he didn't just do this in his past and it's over. And we're kind of hearing about it now. Uh, it, this is ongoing. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm hearing now that the um, law enforcement in Atlanta, I think, have reinvested like they're reinvestigating him and, and and hopefully he can come to justice. Hopefully they can find something to charge him with. But, yeah, this is ongoing. And R. Kelly, of course, continues to deny everything, continues to say that, you know, he has done nothing wrong. Um, and it's just like, man. You know, no, there's, there's no, there seems to be no remorse mm -hmm. in him whatsoever. I'm saying, I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, like if all of my sins were made so apparent that I had done such a thing, 
I mean, I understand he's this big name and maybe, you know, but I, what kind of human being sees that they've wronged so many people and cannot bring themselves to have any remorse, nothing? I mean, I don't know. I'm, what kind of person? I'm thinking about what kind of judicial system? Right. Like never in all of my life have I seen this just just years and years and years of public documentation. We yeah. have video footage. We have court cases. We have witness testimony. Like yeah. this is the, the just a solid clear-cut case built against this man over time and time and time and this man has never once been brought to ju justice mm. and put down like I, I this it's just insane like the mm. only other thing that I've seen that's similar to this is like police brutality instances yeah. like how how systematic that has been but this is just a clear cut case of like bruh there, is, there are multiple instances of evidence so whether or not you are denying this like yeah. we, we have the evidence we have the footage it's just been just years of continuation good lawyers and <laughs> lots of money yeah okay yeah, yeah good lawyers and lots of money I mean I think one of the things that the documentary talked about was just how much money he was bringing to the record labels mm. and therefore he was of great value therefore he was someone that they couldn't lose mm -hmm. and so and they knew that the black community supported him mm -hmm. and so even though all these allegations were going on, they could still yeah. get what they needed from him um, because he was going to still bring in that revenue f with his fan base. Yeah, it's crazy because so, it's only now that uh, we're like the world is overturning the tables on R. Kelly that Sony just announced that they right. parted ways with him. Yeah. Right. Just announced. I think RSA is like shelving his music right now. And because and, apparently from a story that I, I read was that he has he owes them like a couple of more albums. So they're yeah. shelving that and shelving his music right now. Spotify just recently like uh, are not is not streaming his music anymore. Right. Um, but I think Apple's still streaming his music. But the reality is it, it had to be people finally saying we're not going to support him yeah. before people realize oh the money machine ain't gonna be there anymore so I guess it's time for us to part ways if that's people, all it was people if people were like no we don't believe that no that that wouldn't have happened yeah no but there's this this move for like hashtag mute R. Kelly if we're right. gonna hashtag mute R. Kelly we can't just shelf his music this yeah. man hasn't only written for himself he hasn't mm, recorded songs for himself come on. like he has a catalog of yeah. music that he has written produced for all for all different types of artists. We're yeah. talking about Michael Jackson. We're talking about Celine Dion. We're talking about Jay-Z. Yeah. We're talking about Maxwell of, of all people. Oh, like he had yeah, girl, he on. wrote Fortunate. When I found that I was like, oh no. <laughs> Music oh, no. is canceled. Like he has a catalog. So we're not just saying like, oh, I'ma stop streaming his music and stop yeah. listening. Like you have years and years of, of, of artists that have been working for this man for, for a long, long time. Right. So even though you're like, yes, this, the money route is drying up right here, he still got revenue that could come in from, from you know, all other types of artists. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. That's wild. That's wild. So obviously he was able to get away with this or not be held accountable for this for a very long time. And why, why the, that, that was the question that pro, profoundly impacted 
me, right? Um, if you watch the documentary, there were there were um, officials who worked at the school, the the elementary school that or junior high or high school that he used to go to because he used to go to the uh, school to pick up young teenage girls, and there were there was a, I don't know if she was a teacher, but she said, yeah, I used to see him come. Mm. I used to see him come and talk to these girls. And we used to ask questions like, why is he here? That's kind of weird. But nobody, nobody called him out Mm -hmm. on that. Right. Um, And then they talked about how his, you know, managers would bring girls to him and Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, all kinds of people would enable that. Um, So what were you, why do you feel like he was able to just do this for as long as he was and, only now are we finally canceling R. Kelly. What do you think is behind all that? I think it's just we are I think well letting him do it is because we just we wanna we don't wanna see the black man go down. Mm. Mm. You know, we just don't want to see a good a good black man that's doing something for himself. And I'm sure he was doing multiple things for the community as well. We don't want to see him go down. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to keep him elevated as long as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is why, like, we're, we're just going to always, like, for, for someone who's doing as well as he's doing, we're going to try our best to, we're, we're going to, keep a blind eye to anything that he might be doing that's um that's that's criminal Mm. i think like there is just like there was this camp of people around him that fed this monster whether it was the record labels whether it was his entourage whether it was his family whoever like they just kept feeding and feeding this monster because he was feeding them and like all the people that came and they testified or they they were part of the the documentary like y'all are complicit too like whatever r kelly did and when you falsified documents or you you saw him do something you didn't reported like you're complicit yeah and so there has just been this long line of people that have been around r kelly that never said like bro this is wrong stop now or or sought to br- bring him to justice that allowed him to just keep going and I, like i think the other thing that kept him going was was who his victims were like mm. his victims were young black women and there is a greater narrative in the world around people just not believing that black women can be victims. Hmm. The black girls, if you're 12 and you're 14, you're 16 and you're with R. Kelly's, oh, she fast. Oh, you hmm. know, oh, oh, she just trying to get the little come up. Like, no, nah, she's a girl. Like, Absolutely. Black women, black girls, whether they're developed, they're, you know, they, they may look grown, whether she has a grown body, she's still got a young mind. So I think like even just the fact that his victims were not young white girls and they were young black women, hmm. it, it took a very long time for people to actually believe that these girls were being victimized and uh, at, they were girls that needed to be rescued and it just was allowed to just keep going. That's insane. Um, I saw uh, someone say uh, it was in the documentary, I think that R. Kelly created the soundtrack for our lives mm-hmm. in right. many ways. And so many of his songs can be attached to just different instances in our lives. And part of the reason why 
we let this happen for so long was because he created art that made us feel good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He was right. like, like they say in the documentary, he is a musical genius. Right. Like yeah. he created great music. You could not, not bump this R. Kelly, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And R. Kelly realized that he had power in that right. way. He called himself the Pied Piper. Right. Which uh, the Pied Piper was someone who played music to lure all the children, you know, to follow him mm-hmm. and be devoted to him. Right. And he realized with the musical gifting that he had, he could, in many ways, cover his the multitude of sins mm-hmm. and be, uh, you know, just just hidden away, right? Or people at least downplay what he was doing because he was creating all of this music. And it's it speaks to really the power of art and mm-hmm. the power of 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 music and um whether it's it, it speaks to the the way in which you know, when someone can create something that emotes mm-hmm. something deep in us and makes us feel very deeply we attach the person to the art and kind of interpret the person in lieu of the art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't really see the person for who they are. And when we're confronted by it, there's a tendency to want to downplay it at least, right? Until we're kind of really forced to reckon with it. And and quite frankly, I think part of the reason why we're kind of okay with finally canceling R. Kelly is because he hasn't had a hit in a while. <laughs> That's a word, sir. It's I, true. I, I, yeah. I really feel like part of the reason we're finally okay mm. with canceling R. Kelly is because he's kind of not had hits right. for yeah. a while. Yeah. If he was killing the game and hits every year, right. we would still be like, oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Man. People would be like, nah, son, that yeah. song is popping. <laughs> like, you know? I still got to bump that song, though. And and it's like now that, okay, we're cool. Like, we found the spell is a little bit off of us. We can wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you did this? You know what I mean? And it, it shouldn't be that way. It's like, why, why does that happen? Happen. That's like, a question. In my head, it's like, why does that happen? You know, I think about also with when you were saying the whole complacent thing, like the countless of artists who knew mm-hmm. that this was going on and still said, Yo, I want you to produce my song. Yeah. I need you to write my song. Yeah. I mean, you all know? of us sitting here, like every single one of us can pinpoint some memory that we've had with oh, yeah. R. Kelly's music. Like there there has been a pivotal moment that you were like, yo, and I was at that cookout and happy yes. people came on yes. and everyone was just dancing. I saw my auntie and uncle get up to um, dance to happy people. Like each one of us has a moment that you can you can trace back to his music. So people are tied to that. Like I'm talking about R. Kelly produced people's wedding songs. Yes. He produced people ba- baby making songs. Like there there are <laughs> multiple like instances that people can play back in their lives and like oh yeah when I had this really yeah. you know impactful moment happen to me R. Kelly was the one that was in the background like yeah. the, that was a soundtrack to my life. So now it's like okay now nah, y'all trying to say he a bad man All right? I'm not no, yeah. he Yo, when a, a woman's fed up with sparkle, child, oh, that I mean, was like my song in high school. Yeah, like we all we can all trace back to the moment, the emotions, uh, you know, exactly, like the exactly. life events that are connected to his music. So th- it has taken a while for us to sever that tie of, you know, like R. Kelly, R. Kelly played the music for my life. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because that reminded me of a time where... Um, 
and I was telling you guys this offline, but um, as a young child, the first CD that I had gotten, oh, well, actually second, I had had a, strangely enough, a big band, like, CD, which is... <laughs> So not what I would listen to right now, but <laughs> second CD was a Space Jam CD. Mm. And I remember going into the store and seeing that Space Jam CD. And I was like, Mom, I got to get that. I want that Space Jam CD. And she she bought it. And um, I don't remember what the time frame was, but I remember playing it in the living room, played that song. I loved it. You know, Bugs Bunny had a little Bugs Bunny rap at the end. I think Jay-Z <laughs> wrote the lyrics to that. But one of the songs on there was I Can Believe I Can Fly. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember this moment where playing that song and just bonding with my mom and my mom encouraging me like, yo, that song, that could be like your soundtrack. You can you can be someone. You can fly. And I remember crying and mm-hmm. like feeling empowered and it, and and I don't really have very many memories from my childhood or really even very many memories with building with my mom in such an intimate way. But that's etched into my mind. Mm. Right. And R. Kelly was a soundtrack yeah. to that situation. Right. So this is the kind of thing you're dealing with where people have these distinct moments of R. Kelly's music in the background that... Um, unfortunately colored our ability to really take seriously all of the accusations yeah. that were surrounding him for so long. Yeah. And that's what power can do for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, people's lives get affected. Like these girls have to walk around with these atrocities that were committed yeah. against them for the rest of their lives. And and that's real. Like yeah. these girls are are traumatized. They're yeah. affected and their lives will not be the same and just because you have power you shouldn't be allowed to be able to yeah. do such things just because you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it speaks to the level of selfishness that we have. That as long as this man is making me feel good, mm-hmm. I'm able to look away. Yeah. Right. I'm able to downplay what he's doing. Yeah. Right. I'm able to say, well, he didn't get, you know, the, the court found him not guilty. So fine. I'm able to just find excuses yeah. to not have to reckon with what he has actually done. And it serves as a deep lesson for us to check our selfishness. It's not okay just because, you know, a person is in whatever way making us feel good by what they've done or created that we can turn a blind eye to their character. I think, like I just canceled R. Kelly two years ago. So I, I, I gotta confess my own, you know addiction to his music like and I remember the moment that caused me to stop playing his music I was in the car with a friend playing one of R. Kelly's songs I think it was like Half on a Baby which was like one of my favorite songs and she started to just download to me like the the all the instances of his in court records like there's already evidence that he would go to high schools and pick up little girls and having known that already, that be, that was two years before this documentary came out, and I, and I was like arguing her of like, oh well, you know that's that's what he does in his life, but that you know you can separate the man from the music. And she's like, listen to his music, listen to what he says in his music. His songs are called, you know, he wrote AJ nothing but a number for Leah. He talks about bump and grind. He talking about my mind's telling me no, my, my but my body's telling me yes. Like his music 
outlines his perversion. So you yeah. cannot separate this man from this music because what he's been doing to these girls, he's sung about, he's written about, he's gyrated about, he's, you know, he's That's performed. Crazy. So like the, the two are intertwined. And I think in that moment, the light bulb finally went off for me. And I was like, okay, I got to delete all the R. Kelly music from my playlist because like the two are so deeply intertwined that if I am playing this and, and, and singing along to it, I'm not only supporting what he's doing to these girls, but I'm now infecting my spirit where like, if this is what he does and this is what he sings about, what am I putting into my own mind and my own spirit? Yeah. That's so good. Oh, help us Lord. <laughs> That's all I can say <laughs> to that true, because, Oh man. Oh goodness gracious. Um, that's that's real, man. And it's something that we really do have to take seriously. And we really do need to ask for God's sanctifying power because there's a lot of music that we should be really like, <laughs> Yo. what am I supporting? What yes. am I putting inside of me? Yes. And if I knew about what these artists were really doing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, like, right, we're all fallen people. But the thing is with R. Kelly, like we were talking about earlier, is that, like, He's not like he's not admitting to these sins. Mm -hmm. He's not being remorseful about it. And he's not saying like, yo, this is what I did wrong. Yeah. You know, and he's not even like, you know, he's not reaching out to these women and all. Not that these women would want to be reached out to, but he's not a he's not remorseful. He's not. There's no repentance happening in this situation. And he's just he's just it's 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 a regular day for him, yeah. you know, and that's 100%. Yeah. So he wrong. tried to create a website talking about surviving the lies of R. Kelly mm. or something like that. And he tried to create a Facebook page and his whole point was to expose these women who right. tried to expose him. Because he's trying to say they only out for money. Yeah. But, but Facebook canceled that, that Facebook group though, or whatever he started. Yeah. I don't for me the the amount of women that are making these accusations oh, yeah. it can't yeah. be money my dude yeah, yeah. like you create you 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 did this yeah. yeah and the thing I struggle with too and I struggle with this idea that because the amount of women that have come forward finally makes us realize okay he did it like I wonder if it was just one woman mm. yeah like, what if it was just one yeah. girl, 14-year-old yeah. girl that was like, this happened to me? If it, yeah. Well, that, that's what happened when that video came yeah. out. Oh, Everybody was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is a woman. Mm. This is yeah. not a girl. This is a woman. And so this woman must have consented to this. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, consented to get peed on, for real? Yeah. I mean, the simple fact that we need dozens of women to come forward mm-hmm. to finally have a rich and powerful male be dethroned it it, it oh my, it's so many things wrong with that yeah. it's so many things wrong it's and, it tells us like you were saying earlier it tells us how much we value women and black women in particular mm-hmm. yeah it tells us how much we value you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of just in certain, you know, cultures, like even biblical times and certain Middle Eastern cultures where they would need two or three women to testify mm-hmm. to to actually be believed. You know, where it's something it was something like two women or something equal the testimony of one man. You know, it, it, it's it's like we would look at that 
and go, oh, that's barbaric. That's like a perverted culture. That's so backwards thinking. But in our own culture, that's exactly we ain't how believe in one woman and she came forward. Yeah. And said R. Kelly did that. We like, ah, nah, you alpha money. Mm-hmm. You, we're going to try to find a way to invalidate your testimony. And it's only until multiple women is like, OK, all right, I guess I guess he did. We've been hearing about R. Kelly since the 90s. Like we have seen multiple iterations of this documentary while it hasn't been broadcasted as clearly and as at the volume that it was with the documentary. Like we heard about him with Aaliyah. We heard about him when there was this tape where he, you know, it was basically child pornography that was broadcasted child everywhere. Um, so we've known about this and we've seen it. And R. Kelly, while, while, while this is so problematic to this point and why, while we are fallen people and everybody has a past and there are things that we all need to repent of, why there is such a need and an outcry for R. Kelly to be brought to justice is he's had multiple instances to stop what he's been doing. Like right. He's had yeah. multiple instances to repent. He's had multiple instances to to change his ways and to change his behavior and he never took them and it just reminds me of the scripture in revelation 221 it says like god with the woman jezebel he says i gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality and that is the instance with r kelly right now like the big issue is it like yes you've done all these things but you've continued to do them and you've perpetuated for a long long time because you felt like oh nobody could touch me you felt like, oh, I'm the Pied Piper. People love me. People listen to me so I can get away with this for as long as possible. Right. So now it's it's a reckoning. Now it's time that like, no, actually, he needs to be shown like you can be brought to justice. Like yeah. you've had time. Yeah, that's good. So it was interesting to me. One of the victims, I forget her name, uh, but she was a supporter of R. Kelly. She came to the trials even as he was, um, you know, under trial for um, the situation with the um, sex abuse of the young teenage girl, and she defended him, Mm -hmm. right? And she herself ended up becoming a victim, as in the documentary. And one thing that was apparent was many of the people that were defending him were black women. So we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier how black women were his victims and realistically speaking if he was doing what he was doing to young white girls he would have been locked up mm-hmm. been the, mm-hmm. the, the the second long time ago probably only just needed to be one right certainly not the multiple that we've seen um him do to young black women and but but even in after some black women saw that he was victimizing other black women they defended him, mm-hmm. right? And I understand that sometimes we can be a part of our own oppression mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the case that all the time black people can even recognize the way that they participate or prop up, you know, their own oppression or or, or any any oppressed minority can participate in their own oppression. But why do you think it, it, it took so long for black women to finally say like, look, you can't victimize us in this way. Mm. That's, there's so much ingrained in that question and it's so deep and it's so, it is just rooted in so many factors. Um, 
just the way that our criminal justice system is set up of like how they treat victims, period. Like even the trauma that you have to go through to report a rape is like yeah. you're mm-hmm. being raped again. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's that aspect of it. There's also a long history in the African-American community of just keeping things in house and, mm-hmm. you know, silencing things like, oh, don't whatever happens in his house stays in his house. You don't talk about nobody. You don't, you don't, you don't tell nobody because like we we know like if if it gets outside like what the 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 ramifications are and i like i there there are multiple families that that have there's that uncle you know he don't want to cook out you just don't let your daughter go over and sit next to him because we 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 know what he does but we're we're never going to call the police on him because if he were to go to the penal system like we know that like they're going to put him under the jail right be like long-standing ramifications for him so as black women we we often stand in this gap where we are unprotected and we are un um voiced like we are unlistened to because on in in the great society like they we're not accepted there and we're not listened to there but then within the black community within our 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 families we are are told to like protect black men and 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 protect Mm. our families and and there's always this narrative around black women of being the saviors of uh, uh, on both sides and we are expected to support and love and be strong for everyone else except ourselves so Mm. very often there is this need to just like you know let me just make sure that black men are good. Like yeah. if, there, if there's one thing that's going to be right, like let me make sure my brother is good. Wow. So we very often, as you said, participate in our own oppression because we are, we are trying to make sure that our race, that our, our, our brothers are, are supported yeah. and not thrown to the, the society that doesn't value them as much as it doesn't value us. Yeah. And the reality is that we do see oftentimes that black men are victimized. And I think, sometimes it trains us to see black men as victims all the time. But Mm. the reality is that black men can be perpetrators. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They can be evil. Like sin corrupts everyone. Yeah. No one is a victim all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, because of the fact that we have been in a culture for centuries that have oppressed us and we have been victimized that we've tended to view ourselves like anytime any black man gets in trouble our first instinct is like okay but like how are y'all coming at him though like Mm -hmm. what like how are y'all about to do some like unlawful injustice you know like if a black man says no man like the police planted that like we will believe we're we're gonna try to (laughs) like our tendency is to believe him like and it's i mean it all has to do with the the history yeah you know we just don't want to we just don't we don't like the penal. We don't trust it, nor do we agree yeah. with how they um, pursue justice with yeah. our community. So yeah. we're just like, now nah, we want no part. Because, you know, ultimately, like, even with those women, like, another thing is they, they could be looked at as a snitch, yeah. right? Like, you yeah. snitching. Oh, yeah, you yeah. snitching on our community. Yeah. You feel me? Like, so there's also that stigma that comes with being in the black community is like, you putting us out there like mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Like you bugging, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We always have to make make sure that we are we're looked at a certain way, right? Yeah. Like we already, like you were saying, we already know that our black men are not valued in this community. Why would you continue to purport that mm-hmm. by exposing us in such a way? 
this is a question that just came to my mind. Do you do? I'm asking both of you are black women, and you don't speak for all black women, but but do you sometimes feel like the loyalty that black women show black men is reciprocated? Nope. (laughs) You could stamp that official. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Why? Why is that? Um, and I think about even in the instance of um society right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, like there. On the front lines, if you just look at like who is there marching, anytime there is a, a male victim, a black male victim that um, has been, you know, assaulted by the police or killed by the police, black women are on the front lines. They're always, out there. They're always, moving. They're always marching. The they're, you know, they're organizing their communities. But when it is a black woman victim... Mm. Where are the black male groups that are rising up and organizing their communities mm. and saying like, oh, we, we have to, you know, there has to be justice for Sandra Bland or there has to be justice for, for this black woman. It is not the same intensity that goes on when it, when there is a black woman that has been accosted in the news. So it, it, it unfortunately, while I love black men, hear me what I say now, I don't, mm-hmm. don't hear this the wrong way. I love black men. Mm-hmm. In society, there it there isn't always that same love towards black women um, that black women flow towards black men, and it's mm. unfortunate. Um, and I think that you know it can be changed and it can be healed, but it's 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 real. Mm. Yeah, you feel the same way, Varlene? Yeah. I don't think we get the love that okay. we we supposed to be getting, and I mean. I don't know why, but I think a lot of the times uh, black males get put off on like what what they would say our attitudes and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really see the story behind it. And media just continues to perpetuate like this picture of us and they believe it. And so they ride with it and then they just kind of like put us at the side. And so when like you were saying like when something happens to us they don't really feel the need to Mm. um, stand for us like they would their own brothers Mm -hmm. wow if you even look at dating sites reports um black women are the least uh likely to get um asked out on a dating site um black women very are are least likely to get married like they're there are just all these statistics where like even even in the romantic world and that like um, leads into the criminal justice world, like black women are the least preferred. And that is coming from men of non who, who, who are of majority groups who are uh, white and other groups. And it's also coming from black, black men. men. Yeah. Um, so you are you're rejected by communities that don't look like you. And, and then you're, you're rejected, rejected by, by, by your men. own, like That's the crazy. ones that that do look like you. So there, you know, I, tying it back to R. Kelly's victims, there is there is this internalized rejection that while like you want to be on the team of your brother you want to be on the team of Mm. the one that looks like you because you have just ingrained and internalized the sense of like well y'all over here don't want me and y'all over here don't want me but oh he's paying me a little bit attention Mm. so you know i'm gonna be on his team and we ride hard for for people who who aren't out here for us very often um and it just it just keeps this cycle of 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 rejection going self-rejection rejection from other groups like it, it, it is a very complex experience that happens with the black woman. That's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot here, here from y'all on that. I mean, do you feel like that is 
I mean, the view that most black men feel that way, or is that like a small, I mean, how, how would you gauge, is that like the average take on? I mean, I do feel like I'm, I'm starting to see a, a little bit, a little small movement of black men who are starting to appreciate the black woman, but I think a majority of it, a majority of the black men do kind of feel this way just because their mama's black, right? So <laughs> yeah. they see their black mama and they're like, uh, that's not what I'm trying to be, like who I want to be with or who I'm really trying to support sometimes. Even though a lot of them do love their moms, um, I think that their experiences with black women tends them to yeah. lead off and veer off to something that yeah. is not what they're used to. Yeah, I've also heard, you know, um, society as well, I think black men are sometimes cognizant of the fact that the black woman really is kind of at the the lowest end of the totem pole, if mm-hmm. you want to stratification, if you want to look at it that way. And I think sometimes black men feel like, well, if I am with a white woman or something, it's like a, a step up. Like mm-hmm. it's like I've upgraded. Right. And so some of it is just a faulty view of or, or, or just a sense in which like progression equals not being with a black woman, yeah. right? Which is awful. If we even look at just like Kanye West, let's take that as a small Ooh. snapshot to okay. just, you know, symbolize this situation. When Kanye was old Kanye, he said in his song, like, and when you get on, he leave you for a white girl. Yeah, like he, he said that in his song. At the time, he was dating a black woman. Flash forward years later to where he's, you know, he's wearing MAGA hats out here and, and, you know, taking dinners with the president. His hair is blonde. (laughs) Who is his wife? Wow. A white woman, Kim Kardashian, who is a white woman who has been promoted in media. And and everyone talks about how beautiful she is and goes crazy for her body and goes crazy for her looks because she's now a white woman who has black women body parts. And why, and she is held up as the beauty standard when there are black women who naturally have those bodies okay. who are not You're held going up. Mad to, deep. I'm, I'm going in. She's going in. It, they're not held up on the same standard of beauty because they're not a white woman. Wow. So now the Kardashians are profiting off of black culture and profiting off of black bodies and black aesthetic, while, all with the privilege of I get to do that. Cause I'm white and they, they don't have any of the pain that comes along with being a black woman. So there it's, it, it's multi-layered and it's multifaceted. And I don't think that it's all black men that feels, feel this way, but this is just a, a snap to, snapshot to show like, this is what happens in society. All my life I had to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I say this all the time, but all my life I had to mm-hmm. fight. And I just feel like people, yo, my friends laugh at me every time I say that, but it's just like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those people like, I can't really always articulate what's going on inside the complexities of being a mm, black woman. It's just so hard to crazy. speak on yeah. that. That's all I can say. All my life, I had to fight. I had to fight my brothers. I had to fight my father. <laughs> you know, that's and, and that's how I be feeling because it's just like these things that you see. And I would say, you know, a big, a, a like a big culprit to how I feel is media, right? Like media really portrays black women in such a way that we're, we're not seen as 
valuable at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I know various times where when I would see a black woman who looked like me on TV, I would be so hyped because mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So these if that's how I'm feeling when I'm watching something on TV, you can already know, right? Tying it back to R. Kelly, how people are feeling who are on the flip side when they see a black girl on TV accusing R. Kelly mm-hmm. of what he's done. Yo, she ain't nothing. She, you know, yeah. it, we don't have to believe her. Like, mm-hmm. she's this little black girl. Like, that's what they do. You know, they, they like that. Mm-hmm. You know? That's crazy. And so... How am I supposed to feel as a woman? Like, how am I supposed to walk these streets? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, how do, how do I stand? And, and thank God for Jesus, my identity mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ, that I'm able to know who I am. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times, you kind of fall into believing what media is is telling you. And I think that also goes into why a lot of these women didn't stand up for themselves as well. You know, that 14-year-old um, that you were talking about, she talked about her, like, background, right? Like, single mom, no one at home. Mm-hmm. So who was really speaking life into this girl's, yeah. you know, um, life? Mm-hmm. No one was really letting her know who she was. Mm-hmm. So she saw R. Kelly... He's someone prominent. He could speak into my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And that's what a lot of, that's what happened Just to a lot. Just for the affirmation alone. Right. Mm-hmm. You deal with all the suffering. Right. Yeah. And that's what, a, that's, I think that's what's happened to a lot of these girls. And, you know, also the fact that he's giving them a dream mm-hmm. that you can become something, you can become someone like me. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's another affirmation that black women look for. I need to be in the spotlight, you know, mm-hmm. I w- cause that's going to help, help mm-hmm. me and, um, and knowing my value. Mm-hmm. There's also this hypersexualization that happens around young black girls at a very early age. Uh, you, black women do tend to develop, um, a little bit more quickly, but even I was reading on um, becoming by Michelle Obama and she talks about like when she was a young girl and she she became aware of her body and during puberty like walking down the streets of Southside Chicago like she already knew how I got to navigate in the world like I have to move because these men that are standing on the corner they're probably going to say dirty things to me Absolutely. even though I'm a teenage girl mm-hmm. um, and there's there's just this sense as a woman where you grow and develop like you start moving in that space and understanding of like oh okay so I gotta you know I gotta shift a little bit in the way that I operate because mm-hmm. now men are men are talking to me different they're they're saying things about my body or you you might have that uncle that's like oh you know like you you, you out here you wow. got hips now like it, it there's just this you this, done grown up yeah, uh, mm. yeah oh, oh oh she got big now like there's there's this constant like language surrounding our mm-hmm. body Mm-hmm. So you're taught from very early on of like I I use this body sexually like I, there, there's a narrative around me that is very sexual yeah so we can fall into that trap of like this is how I, I move in the world because this is how people interact with me that's crazy man I feel like there's so many things for us as black men as a black man to be aware of and um, at, at the very least I mean it's it's sad that what had to happen to these women had to happen for us to have these real conversations. But, you know, at least real conversations can come from this mm-hmm. that allow us to be like, whoa, I, I didn't know that was your experience. I didn't know that's how you felt. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we're listening. 
Um, I wanted to shift a little bit. Um, one of the things I thought also that was interesting was as R. Kelly was doing what he was doing, uh, he obviously at one part of the documentary he talked about as soon as he was found not guilty, uh, I think someone said he kind of went to like the black community, went to the black church, had a couple preachers kind of pray for him or something yeah. like that. And, you, you know, there, there was this attempt by R. Kelly to just kind of reinvigorate himself spiritually with the black church, with the black community. Mm. And you saw with R. Kelly, even when he was dealing with all the rumors, his ability to just go in and out of just the church life. And, you know, even I believe I can fly kind of had a gospel feel to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there was this thing where he would be really hypersexualized, but also very spiritual. Yeah. Right. And so as a podcast that, you know, we we're, we're Christians and we're black Christians. How do we, f how, what do we make of this? His ability to go in and out of the church, the black church in particular, to see the church defend him, you know, what, why was, what do you feel like allowed that to happen? Um, the fact that we, again, we, we want to protect our own. Hmm. So do you feel like the church, the black church in particular was thinking more culturally than they were gospel? Yeah, centered? absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we were very much into, well, this is what I'm going to say, but we uh, we hold on to the oppression that we've experienced. And so that keeps us from wanting anybody else to experience that. So if you can come in and we can protect you, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And we're going to welcome you. With, we're, right. People for right. We're going to welcome you with open arms and we're going to cover you and we're going to pray for you. Wow. And we're going to leave you on your merry way and that's it like mm -hmm. we we it's uh forgive and forget mm -hmm. that's what we gonna do forgive and forget mm. i think also to looking at our history um as the black church um even in civil rights like music has has just been woven through our cultures and it's it's been woven through our our narrative of oppression and and you know getting freedom and like moving through like our songs told our stories our yeah. you know uh our pain was was sung and verbalized and that was put on display mm -hmm. um so i think when r kelly now he's been accepted into the, the black church like even though he has done this wrong because like he has this talent like he can sing our pain he can sing our happiness mm. he can he can sing the things that we feel and and we don't have to talk about it because it's just it's in that it's song, song. Yeah, yeah. um yeah. and i think like his his genius and his his musical ability has been propped up and that has been the thing that has looked at us ha, ha, had us look at him as like that is his saving grace that boy can sign so mm -hmm. we, the the black church is like okay like you we're we're exploiting his talent and we're using that and that has been something that has been woven into our community so we we're going to welcome him in, with open arms because he's talented and he he can sing mm. <sighs> I mean, do you, what? I I mean, I get that, um, but what bothers me is that we the black church has always been very justice oriented. Mm. 
Like we've always been able to have a, a very strong nose for justice. But he, I think it's he's us. Mm-hmm. He's us. Okay. Right. Like I think that's where it, it, there's the difference. Like R. Kelly is us, and like she was saying, like he he's done. Like we feel like he's done so much for us mm. in in expressing himself through his music and us being able to relate to it. So. Mm. But what can we learn from that? So, because I feel like. I'm almost thinking about the Israelites where I'm sure in the day when God was chastising them for the lack of justice that they had in their own community and the way that they were treating their own people, they would have been able to look at the Gentiles and see in all the ways that the Gentiles were failing and all the ways that they were acting unjustly, but unable to look into their own selves and the way that they were perpetuating and hiding sin and keeping mm-hmm. it strong, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, I guess it just goes as an example that we all can fail in that way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it was, you know, it's, it's challenging to me that, you know, for a community that has done so well and uh, one of the strengths of the history of the black church is fighting injustice that this was going on and no one checked R. Kelly. I think while the black church has done some major good in civil rights and um, fighting against certain injustices, we've picked the injustices that we fought against. Mm. And we there are very clear platforms that we stand on and, and put a flag in the ground and say, this is sin, this is injustice, we will fight against this. But then there are others that we have pushed under the rug and hidden because well. the the face of our fight, the faces of the people that are going against their injustices, we have ignored some of their deep character flaws because they are helping us, they are freeing us, they are fighting for the causes that we've chosen. So I'm going to ignore that he's a flagrant ad- adulterer. Wow. I'm going to ignore that he is a flagrant pedophile. I'm going to ignore that he, you know, has this, this deep sin issue in his life because, man, he's out here and he's on the front lines and he's fighting for our our greater good. Yeah. So there have been um, sacrificial lambs in a sense. Um, black deep. women have been sacrificial lambs. Um, wow. Children have been sacrificial lambs. Like they have been able to just just be put to the side and say like, oh, we'll deal with y'all later because we got this 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 bigger issue that we're focused on now. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think like R. Kelly has been able to be woven into that just like stream of important men and important people that have been the face of our community. So we just we excuse them in a lot of ways. That's deep. And yeah. then that brings that brings reckoning to bear on our own house to where we can't ever exalt ourselves mm, and absolutely. see ourselves as, you know, this prophetic community that has stood up to all unrighteousness because there's been things in our own house that you said that we've mm-hmm. sacrificed. Mm-hmm. It, it just goes to show you really that no man really can stand on the day of judgment without mm-hmm. the grace of Jesus Christ, Hello? man. Not at all. Because all of us have, even in our best moments, overlooked overlooked and yeah. have not done what we supposed to have done. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. Um, so we want I wanted to end with this, just ask this question. What can the church learn from this? I mean, we could talk, you know, specifically about the black church, but you know, just the church in general, because obviously sexual abuse happens in every context. It's not mm-hmm. just a black thing. It's, you know, and they're, they're perpetrators of every race, Yes. Yeah. you know, saying, so how can the church be vigilant? How can they, stand um, and do what they're supposed to do to make sure this is not happening um, under their watch. 
I think um, giving the value to women that they ought to have mm-hmm. and making sure that they're being heard, mm-hmm. um, giving women the platform um, to be able to speak on these things, I think is a good a good starting point. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, and to that point, like y'all, every time I'm on the show, y'all going to hear me talk about this. Like, I just, I love the Jesus of the Bible. Unpack that. I, I, I don't know. People be, y'all be making up. Some people be making up a Jesus, but mm-hmm. the Jesus of the Bible, mm-hmm. my savior, mm-hmm. like he is just someone that is so admirable and someone that is so countercultural and someone Good. that should be loved. Um, because he is just so different from everything that we experience. And the Jesus of the Bible, every time you see him interacting with a woman, it was an interaction of affirmation. It was an Mm. interaction of honoring. It was an uh, interaction of offering grace and offering a a different way. Like he interacted with so many women that were caught in sexual sin or so many women that were victimized by the society that they were in. And every time he talks to that woman, he offered her grace. He offered her himself. He listened to her story. He He knew her story. And I think the church really needs to go back and look at the Jesus of the Bible. Like, which Jesus are you serving? Are you serving the Jesus of your imagination Mm -hmm. or are you serving the Jesus of the Bible? Because the, the Jesus of the Bible, when society brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, when they came to stone her and then didn't bring the man that she was caught in adultery with, Hmm. he said to the crowd, let him who is without sin cast the first stone at her. Like he brought judgment against the people that were judging her and, and, and and wrongly bringing a sense of judgment, just judgment. They were not bringing her co adulterer. They brought her and they were, they were attacking this woman and Jesus offered her grace. So I think about for the church, like when there is an instance where there may be sexual sin in your community, don't automatically look at the woman of like, oh, she was probably dressed wow. immodestly or, or yeah. don't automatically put it put the onus of the woman of like, oh, you got to cover up. You got to do this. You got to do that. You're supposed to, you know, keep the man from from lusting and sinning like the even changing that narrative because Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, he changed it. So just just go back to the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. You know, for me, I think we got to just keep it like how God did it. God is not a respecter of persons. And mm-hmm. I feel like we need to not be respecter of persons in the sense that we allow status mm-hmm. to define mm-hmm. how we view people. Absolutely. Like respecter of persons in the sense that we all honor the Imago Day in everybody yeah. and value each, each person equally. Absolutely. But I think sometimes we stray from that and we assign value but based on status, power, money, race, all that other stuff. Absolutely. And when the church goes there, that's when this stuff can happen and people can be hidden mm-hmm. and get away with this stuff for so long because if we looked at if if the church was like, oh, you are Kelly and so what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you got hit songs? So what? Right. Yeah. You're a flawed human being. You're a, a depraved sinner. Yeah. <laughs> according to the Bible. So we ain't going to just look at you like you a God. Like, no, we know you're capable of sin just like everybody else. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like once we hold that, keep a biblical lens of all people, no matter who they are in society, 
it can keep us from going to a place where we're just willfully ignoring when injustice is taking place. We're, we're seeing a preponderance of evidence yet ignoring them because, oh, this person is super talented or, oh, this person is a black woman. So we don't care like that kind of stuff. Right. So that's kind of what I'm taking from it. I feel like we just got to be like, look. You're a man mm. just like me. You're yeah. you're a human being just like me. Yeah. And I will see you in the lens that the Bible sees. So that's honoring your Imago day and also recognizing you're a sinner. Yeah. 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 And I think the church has to be ready to be dealing with the ramifications of addressing these issues. Mm. I think a lot of the reasons why the church doesn't address these issues is because they're not ready for what follows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you might have to go to the authorities. Mm. Okay? Right. You know, this might have, like, there are things that you are not able to, not going to be able to handle because you are not the authorities. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to remove so-and-so from your elder board. You you feel me? Your church might suffer. Right. All that might happen. Thank you. Thank you. So I think that's also one of the things that the church needs to be ready for Mm -hmm. is that we might be going through a hard time after such thing is revealed or Mm -hmm. put forth in in our church. We're going to have to deal with this and we're going to have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work because, yeah. yo, he can heal. Jesus yeah. can heal. Like, I think we're, like, we don't believe that sometimes, yeah. right? Like, yo, you might have half of your church leave because this just came out. But that's okay. Yeah. Who yeah. we who we serving here? We serving Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And we have to believe that even if you suffered in this life as a result of it, you'll be honored in the next because mm-hmm. you stood up for what was right. Right. Yeah. And I think so because we want so much prosperity in this life. Yes. Yeah. The fact that, oh, this is going to cause a big hoop de hoop and half the people might leave. Now nah, we got to keep these numbers up. We got to get this money. And it's like, nah, we don't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, yo, endure the suffering so that Jesus can count you as righteous. That's right. On the day of judgment. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. So, yeah, that's a good point. We got to be willing to rectify that. Well, um, that was very insightful. Um, that was uh, a much needed conversation. And, you know, my, my prayer is that, you know, if, you know, for healing, my, my prayer is for healing for anyone that has may have suffered from something like that and or, or maybe have come forward and have been ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thankful for the Me Too movement because finally we're listening. Yeah. You know, um, and it's sad, but sometimes it takes things like this to finally get us to recognize, whoa, this is what we've been co-signing for for this long. Um, Well, that's it. Uh, Thank you guys for your time. Uh, This is Bryant, the Theological Giant, signing off. Varlene, a.k.a. the Wild Thornberry. Lordess the principal, aka the principal. All right. No, that's not my name. My name is Lordess the principal, <laughs> aka the woman with principal. All right, get it right. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys in the next one. All right, Peace. take care.